Now to the latest internet sensation. You might be going to go down as a Hall of Fame fighter. So exciting. Is this dinner too tacky for the Donald? These bodies are triple M. This is a magnificent specimen of mankind. Can I say hi? Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your listeners. Hi! Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. The Swans last night by 14 points over the Hawks for the one highlight you need to see. Midway through the fourth quarter, the Swans are up by nine when an intercepted handball gives the footy to Lance Franklin. Sinclair to the bud. Bud's got to find it. He's going to have a go from 80. A bouncing ball goes through. Piss off. Piss off, bud. You can't be doing that. Unbelievable. Now, Triple M footy had a secret microphone inside John Longmire's box. And, you know, when Buddy kicked that goal, here's apparently what he did in tribute to Buddy. That is 100% legit. Absolutely no joke there, Johnny Longmire. And he's got a beautiful voice, you have to say. Plenty to come up on the weekend breakfast. Anthony Mundine has gone whack at our man, Danny Green. I'm ready to go, man. I told you, 60-40, I will whip his ass. I will knock his ass out, for real. Ooh. Now, Greeny's been refusing interviews all over the country. He is coming on the weekend breakfast, though, fulfilling his commitment. So you will hear his response to Anthony Mundine. That's coming up a bit later. Here is the three things you need to know about with Channel 9's Peter Hitchener. Yes, the great man dominated this segment last week. He's going to do it again. Hitchy, this week we are doing three things you need to know about what? Breakdancing. Good call, Hitchy. Well, here, take it away. Here's the first thing you need to know about breakdancing. Breakdancing started in the South Bronx of New York City in the mid-1970s and then moved west to L.A. Mmm, lucky, lucky L.A. Second thing you need to know about breakdancing, Hitchy. Gangs used breakdancing as a way to battle over territory without fist fighting or using weapons. Is that right? The things you learn on the weekend breakfast. The third and final thing you need to know about breakdancing. Breakdancing has been called the good foot, rocking, b-boying and breaking. They are some good words. Thank you very much. Three things you needed to know about breakdancing. That was the three things you need to know with Peter Hitchener. Anthony Mundine yesterday went whack at Danny Green. I'm ready to go, man. I told you, 60-40, I will whip his ass. I will knock his ass out, for real. The Green Machine said no to interviews all day yesterday, coming on the program in about 10 minutes. Right now we got this. In the 20th century, the sporting landscape was indeed a wide world. But with the advent of the interweb communication and global overpopulation, the sporting universe is bigger than ever. And champions beyond the traditional games deserve their recognition. Presenting the Weekend Breakfast's glittering galaxy of sport. And don't the kids love it? Well, these two boys do, and it's a big sport overseas, so it gets in on the Australia rule of glittering galaxy of sport. Sorry about that. I speak, of course, of ice hockey. Troy Davenport is the goalkeeper. Lesser Lassen is the right winger of the Melbourne Ice, our champion ice hockey team. And I'll start with you, Troy, goalkeeper. What would possess you to stand there and have a frozen piece of rubber slapped at you regularly? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm sure my parents thought the same way when uh, <laughs> when they finally let me play goalie. I was bugging them for five or six years, and they finally gave in. So, um, you know, I don't know. My older brother played it, um, but he wasn't very competitive at hockey, but he, he started playing goalie. So maybe that had a little influence on me. And I was the youngest uh, boy in our family, so, you know, they needed a goalie in street hockey, and I was the guy they threw in the net. You know, you just have to have a different mindset and, and know that, you, you can make a difference out there um, individually. We can steal games for guys. Um, whatever I can do to, to help these guys uh, to win a game is 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 what I got to do. When we look at you, it must take you a fair while to get dressed because there's a lot of padding that goes into being the goalie. When a big shot comes in, though, hits you right in the guts, does it hurt or do you get a bit of protection? Uh, we got pretty good protection. Um, our chest protectors are really good nowadays. Uh, the only time it would hurt a little bit is if, if it's really um, like – you know, if there's not a gap of air between the chest protector and your your body, I mean, you can feel those hits and you can feel the pucks uh, on your arms a little bit. Uh, there's going to be a little gaps in the seams where they, they, they sew it together where you, know, you take someone off the arm or you take one off the collarbone. I mean, it, it does hurt. Especially uh, when you're firing them in, eh, Lisa? Correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, I'm, I'm aiming for the collarbone. No. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. But uh, it is such a fast sport. You guys are so highly skilled. What is it about hockey players, though, that you guys seem to like to fight? That might be more of a North American thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. It? yeah, okay. I yeah. think uh, I think it's just a part of the sport. Uh, it's competitive, and I actually... To to some extent, I like uh, the fact that we we fight every once in a while because if if you have an argument with uh, a guy on the opposite team, Lou, you rather just throw a punch or two and get it out of the way instead of uh, him or yourself making uh, a dirty play and uh, you'll have a, a a knee blow or a shoulder uh, dislocated or something like that from a from a foul hit so to some extent i think it's it's good and it's always been a part of the sport and there I think you go it's, it's the safer option you know exactly <laughs> two guys squaring I'd, up i'd say like the the worst thing that could happen is you can get a black eye or a worst case scenario a broken nose but uh, you can play on with that uh, a dislocated shoulder is it's much more difficult to play with i'm so. carrying a broken nose this morning actually in uh, this program so you know i, I know what you're saying there lesser <laughs> But no, guys, it's great that you can be here too. Uh, four imports allowed to suit up on a nicely, nightly basis uh, in the uh, Australian Ice Hockey League. And the uh, Melbourne Ice really building a supporter base uh, down there uh, in the Docklands, which, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, how have you found Australia, Lisa? I've, I've loved it so far. Like uh, coming into the, the team, like it's, it's kind of like a small family. Everyone is nice and welcoming and like they just want to give you the best um, – opportunities and like the best experience of being down here and as you said like the the support the base like i haven't even seen it back home in in denmark or sweden where i've played that people line up uh, before the games like two hours before in in long queues and i think it's it's just amazing uh yeah so far it's been fantastic and i'm, I'm loving my time down here well if you ever get stuck in a queue outside a pub or a nightclub just say that you're related to prince frederick and they might open the door for you because exactly, uh, we yeah. do like him down under. <laughs> and we love uh, Princess Mary ah, as well. Ah, good. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad she's, to hear uh, that. She's a good ambassador for our country. <laughs> oh, oh, ours both. Yeah. Well, boys, it's great to uh, have a chat. Uh, Troy Davenport, the goalie from the Melbourne Ice, and uh, Lesser Larson, the right winger. Terrific to chat, boys, and good luck for the rest of the season. You're undefeated at the moment. Absolutely flying. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. We strive to introduce you to interesting people. 
Meet Nim Murphy. She says there are only two things standing between her and employment. Her breasts. Yeah, uh, that's from our good friends at A Current Affair there, but isn't that interesting? A young woman called Nim. You don't see that too often these days. This man is also very interesting. He is the second best planker in the world, which means that he can go longer than just about anybody, well, everybody except one person, at putting his forearms out, putting his toes up, and letting the abs do the work. Come in, George Hood, and tell us your personal planking record. My, my personal record was uh, achieved at the, at the World Cup in Beijing here just uh, this past uh, weekend, uh, seven hours and 40 minutes, That was and four seconds. That was... Two hours and five minutes beyond my last best in April of 5.35. Seven hours. So for you know a normal person, it starts to hurt after about 30 seconds. At what stage does it hurt for you? <laughs> Usually after about the two-hour mark, I'll start to feel some discomfort. Like <laughs> shift, get through that wall, and then uh, get into a zone. Um, but then you can't avoid the ultimate discomfort. It's, pro- it's progressive in nature. But uh, I-, I was definitely hurting at the end. I- probably the most excruciating thing I've ever done. Wow. What are you thinking about when you're doing that? Well, I try not to think about the clock, and I, and I try to disassociate myself from the reality of the clock as quickly as possible so that I literally have no idea what time it is. I don't even know when we start. <laughs> and um, that's, that's key. And then you just distract yourself with a, a very good crew who chats with you. Um, of course, the crowd always helps. Um, it's a matter of drawing energy from those that surround you and the environment in order to keep your mind off that clock. I'm looking at your resume too. Pretty interesting career in the military, and then you worked as a DEA agent. What was that like? I did. Uh, it was exciting. It, 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 it's a job. Uh, I was career law enforcement my entire career. Um, DEA was an awesome opportunity. Um, got to travel, work good cases, you know, put bad people in jail. And then um, ultimately, you know, uh, once I got back from finished that career, I went over to Afghanistan for a brief period to do some security work, um, and uh, on behalf of U.S. forces, worked uh, hand-in-hand with the Brits as well as some Australian troops that were over there at the time, came back and got full-time into the fitness industry. 70 hours, 40 minutes, 4 seconds planking. How old are you, George? I'm, I'm 58. Oh. 58. Uh, that's, that's, don't, don't, be, don't be ashamed or embarrassed. <laughs> Ask. I'm 58. But age is just a number. Put that out there to your listeners. You know, uh, We're capable of doing anything. Um, you know, age is just a number, and uh, I, I impart that to a lot of people that I work with. We, otherwise, if you start thinking about how old you are, then you start acting like it, and that's toxic. Uh, good call, mate. Well, George Hood, a pleasure to chat to you. Team Hood, I'm sure it's online all over the place. So, mate, take care, and uh, we'll follow you with interest from here on in. You're a big help, and I appreciate your support from afar. It means a lot. It really does. What an incredible man. On you, George. Danny Green there. Health and Fitness with Danny Green. Greeny, good morning. Good morning, Sam. How are you, mate? Mate, we just spoke to a bloke who once planked for over seven hours. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that hurts just thinking about it. (laughs) How long have you gone for? Uh, Mate, I'm lucky to do seven minutes. Oh, mate. Yeah, that's crazy. My daughter actually did it for... For thirteen or fourteen minutes, at really? A school, I was like, "Man, that's a good effort, kid." For oh, seven hours, that's bananas. He's unbelievable. He's fifty-eight too. 
What a machine. Yeah. <laughs> now, mate, we want to talk body weight exercises this morning because you've got a few that are your favourites. Well, yeah, I do, mate. Sorry about yawning, but she's pretty early over here. I'm a couple of hours behind you, don't forget. But, yep, um, we're in the west. Yeah, yeah but uh, look, it's, um, it, it's the three basic exercises. I'd say. I was going to say chins, but it's, it's hard because not everyone has the access to, to be able to get to a chin-up bar or somewhere they can use it if they're at home or at the park. So the three easiest and most effective body weight exercises that cover your whole body would be push-ups which cover your, you know, you get you get your traps, you get your triceps, you get a bit of bicep, you get your shoulders, you get your chest, obviously, and if done right, you incorporate your core into it. Then you go your leg weights or your body weight squats. So you get, your, you know, a bit of calves, your quads, your hammies, your bit of your glutes, your bum, and then um, also the, the planking as well. So they're probably the, the three basic exercises that you can cover a lot of um, muscle groups within your body and you don't need any equipment to do it. We like it, mate. Teamdannygreen.com.au is your system working beautifully too. Mate, uh, we've got to touch on two, and I know this is a subject you get sick of talking about, but Anthony Mundine flapping his gums on Triple M Radio earlier in the week. I'm ready to go, man. I told you, 60-40, I will whip his ass. I will knock his ass out, for real. Now, we are firmly Team Green. Have you got anything to say on this situation? Mate, there's a massive storm that has just come through here in Perth and hit recently, mate. So I think all the hot air that just got I heard just then just been you know just blew away with it. the big front I just got here, mate. So, <laughs> Come on, mate. so you're just sick oh, of it, aren't you? Oh, lots of hot air, mate. Lots of hot air. Yep, yep. Very good. Well, mate, uh, a pleasure to talk as always. Teamdaddygreen.com.au. You got any uh, hot tea or chicken soup for me? Because my voice is almost cooked. Along with you, mate. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page, Seb. So yeah, but I want to get up. I have to get up now and cook myself a bath. But mate, you uh, you have a fantastic weekend, and uh, and out there, everyone out there, and listening to Triple M land, have a great weekend, guys. Beautiful, Danny Green on Triple M. It is twenty-five to eight. There you go, the great man playing a straight bat in response to uh, Anthony Mundine. We shall watch that space with interest. If you ever want to buy a house, you got to know about underquoting. And the man who knows everything about it is Josh Rowe from Real As. Joshy, what is underquoting? Well, underquoting, Seb, is, is quite simple. It's when a, a real estate or vendor will advertise a, a home for sale at a price, which is a price they're not actually willing to sell at. So it gives an uh, unrealistic and, in fact, misleading expectation of what a house will sell at. So I went to an auction a few weeks ago, and I'll just make up the figures, but they're there. <coughs> Excuse me, mate. The voice is uh, dying on me here, but it's thereabouts. Okay, so it was advertised at about a million. The opening bid, the vendor bid, was 1.1. Is, is that legal? So um, c- certainly that's already, you know, the opening bid by being 10% over uh, suggests that, you know, why do they even bother advertising a million dollars? So that's uh, certainly mm. uh, is a very good sign of underquoting. So they should have been advertising it as 1.1. Um, and uh, the, the key thing to look for when you're at auctions is the reserve price. So that's when, that's, that's when you know, if the reserve price, you know, when people say, hey, the property's on the market, is when, uh, is when uh, the difference between what's quoted and then uh, when the, the auctioneer calls it uh, on the market is, uh, if that's larger than 10%, then it's underquoted. Well, in this case, it was on the market at one one point three. Well, there you go. There's, yeah. a, there's a 30% difference. So that is, I can tell you without a doubt, that is underquoting. So what are the penalties? Well, um, we're already seeing right now that um, uh, 
there's a, a, a well-known real estate agency in Melbourne here, um, which is being taken to court by Consumer Affairs. And um, they can be fined, uh, I think, in the order of uh, $22,000 for, for underquoting. And why is it bad for home buyers? Home buyers um, are really stuffed around by underquoting because um, it takes time, money, and, and ultimately heartbreak um, to research for your home. Uh, we did some sums on what it takes to, to, to research for a home over a 12 month period and, and forgetting what it takes to actually buy a house, you know, the cost of stamp duty, the cost of, you know, the, um, all those other bits and pieces you might do when you actually find your ultimate house. Um, you can spend up to $20,000 on everything from coffees to building inspections, to legal fees, you name it. And just, um, you know, even driving around and, and toll fees and petrol, it ends up being real expensive. It certainly does. And Joshy, what is negative gearing? Well, negative gearing, Seb, is um, uh, a pretty simple concept. It's where you uh, buy some kind of uh, investment asset. So in this case, we're talking about properties, real estate, and um, uh, you derive an income from that. And then what happens is the income uh, you make from that is actually uh, less than the cost of maintaining that property. So whether that be the home loan repayments or other costs to do with that. And then what you're able to do is that um, that negative component, you can then claim back against your tax return. So if you were earning, say, I don't know, $100,000 a year and you were had a negative um, expenses against your uh, real estate property of 20000 that will reduce your $100,000 salary down to 80000 So it reduces your tax bill. Basically, yeah. Mm. So, so you, you would have seen in the news quite a bit uh, recently talking about uh, different politicians saying, "Oh, look, the average person um, is you know only uh, getting paid eighty thousand dollars a year on you know who's negatively gearing." Well, guess what? That just happens to be a, a, a quite a uh, interesting tax bracket where there's tax advantages. And so, what people are uh, tending to do is they're they're, they're um, intentionally reducing their tax bracket to eighty thousand dollars a year. And mate, what's your view? If it were to be banned, is that a good thing or bad thing for homeowners? So um, the the jury is certainly out here. Um, the the policy which uh, Labor has promoted is one which would only apply to you know banning it effectively for residential properties. So uh, in effect, you could still use negative gearing for new builds. Um, so that wouldn't affect the supply, you know, in t- terms of the supply and growth and investment of new properties. Uh, it would certainly mean that would be less pressure on prices for um, uh, new home buyers or people wanting to buy um, uh, properties in established uh, places. So I, th- I think there'd be pros and cons on both. <clears throat> and mate, just to come back to your bag, which is the underquoting, how widespread is it at the moment? So underquoting um, in Victoria is 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 pretty out of control, and uh, to really give you some um, some hard examples, uh, I've got a top ten list here of the of the worst underquoting suburbs, and uh, at the top last month was uh, Mitcham, at uh, on average each uh, the agents in Mitcham were quoting at over twenty eight percent difference between what their quotes were in the final selling prices, and then um, from from the worst to the the, to the to the least worst, and these are all twenty plus percent. Forest Hill, Templestowe, Lower Templestowe, Glen Huntley, Murrumbina, Caulfield North, Bayswater, Mentone, Dingley Village, Brunswick East. So, really, really bad behaviours um, happening here in Victoria. People can check you out online. Real as is the company, mate. Thanks for bearing with me here with uh, the ever fading vocals. Cheers, sir. During the week, you would have seen the story of the fisherman who went up to the Northern Territory. Unfortunately, one of them drowned after the crocodile came up and knocked their boat over. Wanted to take a look at the waters up there in the Territory, and to do so, we've got Graham Williams, 
who is a fly fishing expert, lives in Darwin. And Graham, tell us, how often do you guys see crocs up there? I would say every day. Um, we encounter crocs every day. And in fact, I just walked down to my boat there 10 minutes ago before getting on to it and just one cruise past. So it, it's not unnatural to see them all the time. How big do they get? Oh, over five metres. And I think uh, with this situation in uh, Leaders Creek, Leaders Creek's known for having a number of big crocodiles in it. It's very close to the Adelaide River system, uh, where for the last 30 years that they've been teaching crocodiles to stand on their tail at that sort of length. So, you know, I'm not surprised at um, what's happened here in this situation. Uh, the size of the vessel is probably really what the critical point is, and... Um, it's just is only going to get worse because the number of crocodiles that are um, that are coming into the territory and have grown over the last 30 years, and the amount of people that actually arrive here from down south looking for holidays with uh, little tinnies on top of the boats from a guiding point of view, and I'd say every guide would say this: there'd be no way in the world they would get in a boat like that. Why do they go after a boat like that? Now, a crocodile is an aggressive animal in the sense that it takes on other crocs that are smaller within, than them. And, uh, you know, if they saw a three-metre croc, a uh, three-metre boat, as opposed to their four-and-a-half or five metres, well, they'll take it on. They see it as one entity. Have you ever been attacked? I was fishing on a billabong in a five-and-a-half-metre boat where I had one croc about five metres, attacked the electric motor and then decided to get under the boat and physically lifted it about half a metre out of the water. Uh, then it went away and then attempted to come back. By this time, I just started up the motor and left. I went back and took a photo of it. It was huge, even bigger than the, the boat. Not so much in length, but its weight and girth was very intimidating. You know, the dynamics with crocodiles have changed. There are just a hell of a lot more of them, a hell of a lot bigger ones. Graham Williams from Inside Fly Fishing, thanks for talking to us. Yeah, no worries. Take care. In the coming months, it'll be five years since this pretty golden day for Cats fans. Uh, the clock has ticked over the 30-minute mark now. Shaw drives it as long as he possibly can. as one of the greatest teams of the modern era. And a man who was part of that premiership, a 50-goal forward in that premiership year two for the Cats, is on the line now. G'day, James Ponziadley. Seb, thanks for having me on. Mate, five years. Uh, I'm sure you never forget that day. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the most memorable days in, uh, in my life and also um, that's what you play footy for is to win premierships and I was uh, very fortunate to be part of a um, extremely successful organisation at the time. Not many people get to play in an AFL premiership, first of all. Very few get to do it in their second year as a bloke who just turned 30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was a bit of a, a late bloomer, as you, as you know, Seb. But, uh, yeah, look, I came into the, um, into the club at the end of, um, or during 2009, and um, to see the way that some of the players and the coaches went about it, I, um, I learned a lot very quickly and um, just had to adapt my, my football to that, uh, to that level and uh, was very fortunate enough to, uh, to win a premiership, which is great. Mate, you're a very humble man, but uh, you know the goal-kicking records that you've done over the journey have been pretty impressive. And I did want to ask you one thing that people might not know. In your last outing in the SANFL over there in South Australia when you were listed at Adelaide, how many did you kick? Uh, 11, Seb. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and I have a feeling it's eleven goals six if I'm not wrong. Um, yeah, look, it was a uh, it was a it was an enjoyable night. Uh, it was my last game and um, something that I'll uh, remember. And as I said, coming over here and um, being part of the uh, Adelaide Crows too has been um, a lot of fun. Well, tell me about that because you're getting into the coaching side of it now. Uh, we talked before about the 2011 flag and uh, and Scotty obviously in his first year coaching that one he's now giving it a good crack again uh, with uh, with one of your former teammates Patrick Dangerfield wearing blue and white hoops what did you learn from Scotty as a player that you're now using as a coach now look he uh, I remember him coming in his first year it was my my second year and um, he was really clear with his messaging um, he created a framework where um, all the players knew what role they had to play and and how they had to play it effectively and um, Something that I'm trying to, um, you know, you learn a lot from all the coaches you have. But uh, um, coaching now, I mean, that's one thing I take from Scotty is his, um, his clarity of message was um, was really, really um, good, and uh, we're trying to implement that now at the Crows. Good luck with it, mate. I mean, is uh, maybe a senior role one day? Is that sort of the goal you're working towards? <laughs> um, looking at uh, what the senior coaches have to deal with these days with the uh, external and internal pressure, it's. Uh, it's something that's on my agenda at the moment, but um, yeah, I suppose you never know. You've got a pretty positive message that you're putting out there in the marketplace at the moment. It's called The Wellbeing Challenge. Uh, you can get it on iTunes. What's it all about? Yeah, look, it's something that I, uh, I worked on for the last couple of years when I was um, playing Seb, and it's um, uh, you know, my belief in, in this space in, in wellbeing is that wellbeing is holistic and it's, and it's different for everyone. So um, we've created a, a digital platform where um, it's, it's deployed in, in the workplace. There's a clear gap in what we know about health and wellbeing and what we do. And um, as a society, we've just got to change that and bridge that gap. Well, check it out. If you are an employer or if you're just interested in uh, getting some ideas, it is on iTunes at the moment, Pods? Yeah, it's on iTunes and also the Google Play Store. Look out for it, the Wellbeing Challenge. James Podsy Adley, fantastic to chat, mate. Have a great weekend uh, and good luck against the Suns. Thanks, Foxhead. Nearly Meadows is in early to give us a little bit of a vocal chop out. Good morning. It's very rare that people actually want me to take over from speaking, <laughs> so it's very nice to be asked. No, it is a pleasure. And our great friend is on the line from the Utah Jazz Aussie NBA star, Joe Ingalls. Morning, Joey. Good morning, mate. You sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty Hilarious. is the best policy. I thought I was going to sound bad. <laughs> I've, I've got to tell you, Joe, he's doing absolutely everything he can right now. He's got the honey, he's got the teas, he's got the ginger, he's got the pineapple juice, he's got more liquids. than you can... week, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> taking, it, taking it to another level. Mate, we're doing our best. Now, uh, last night you went down uh, to see the Hawks play your beloved football side. Didn't quite get the job done. No, um, me and Renee were laughing because it was uh, obviously my first game um, to, for, for this season in the country and I uh, wanted to go along and um, yeah, like you said, it didn't go too well but uh, obviously they had a pretty big week and um, even just to get out there and play was, was um, a good enough effort for me. And hey, mate, uh, we know you're good mates with uh, Jared Roughhead and uh, you, you caught up with him during the week just to see how he is? Yeah, just uh, had, had a quiet dinner, um, more... Like you said, just as mates, just to see how he's how he's doing, and um, obviously offer any any support that, that me and Renee can. And um, yeah, it's just a, a, a shocking thing to happen to, to a great guy. And um, like the whole football world said, he's one of those guys that everyone likes. He's, he's such a friendly guy; he'd do anything for anyone. And 
um, for, for something like this to happen to him is is just really sad. Joe, with the the two minute mark of of the second quarter, when the entire crowd started the applause, which which started from the Hawks fans, was that emotional for you? Because as as a footy watcher sitting on the couch, I just I found it really touching, and and knowing Jared a little bit, not as well as yourself, but I found it quite a, a special moment. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, obviously, not everybody kind of knew what was going on, and um, there was some people sitting down, standing up. It, it, it was really cool. I, I think Jared, I know he was at the game, and I, I think he would have really appreciated it. Um, I caught up with his brother too yesterday at the game and, and just had a chat with him. And um, it, It's just tough on their, not only their whole family, but the footy club and, and, and the whole football world. So, um, yeah, just a, a really sad time, but um, knowing him and knowing him well, he'll, he'll, he'll fight and get through this. And, and obviously, like I said, he's got the support of everyone in Australia. Let's talk a bit of hoops, mate. Uh, NBA action. The Cavs over there in the <clears> – <throat> sorry about that. <laughs> the Cavs over there in the East undefeated in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I don't think they will be until a little bit later. I think uh, I think they'll uh, cruise through these next couple of games. Uh, I think once Toronto's uh, – gets into this uh, game. I think if they get down early, it'll, it'll be a wrap and they'll take that fourth game and, and move straight through and have a nice break before uh, whoever wins the, the OKC and Golden State series. Having Kyrie Irving, Melbourne-born, Melbourne, Melbourne born, of course, Australia's own Kyrie Irving up and oh. firing this time around. How good is it? 37 points in his last outing. Yeah, he's been great. Um, I, I think he does. He obviously helps that team a lot. He, he's that difference maker uh, for LeBron. He... he Takes a bit of pressure off LeBron, and and that's what he does. He, he's a scorer, um, and he puts pressure on the rim at, at all times during the game, and um, that's what they kind of missed last year. Obviously, Delhi did a great job, but Delhi's not that. Um, I mean, Delhi's not going to have 37, <laughs> 37 <laughs> points. So um, to, to have him do that for LeBron is is something that they really need, and um, I think it'll make the series a, a lot more interesting depending on on who they play. And and Joey over in the West, Warriors or Thunder. Um, I'm going Warriors. Uh, I think uh, I still think it'll go six or seven. Um, I don't think they'll sweep them um, for the for the rest of this series. They've stole one early, and I think they'll get another one. So um, I think it'll go six or seven. But I, I think the Warriors just have too much power. And um, OKC are great. They're they're a great team. They've showed um, they can win a lot of games with those two two superstars. But um, I think the Warriors will, will have too much to uh to, to push them. And just quickly, on a level of ridiculousness of 1 to 10, where is Steph Curry at the moment? I thought you were going to ask about Seb's voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's right up there. I'd probably give him a 10 or 11 too. I mean, the the dude's a freak. It makes it so hard to to play against someone that that can shoot the ball like he does and get it off like he can. But to to be able to do that, a step over the half makes it even tougher because we don't usually start playing defense to a three-point line. So... To, to do what he's doing, he's kind of recreating um, the league a little bit. No one's no one's seen it before um, with the range and the skill set that he's got. And you throw Clay Thompson in and Draymond Harrison Barnes, it's, it's a tough uh, tough lineup. And then Bogut's obviously at the, the back there protecting everything. So they're a, a pretty pretty impressive unit. Joe Ingalls, thanks so much for spending some time with us on uh, Triple M Weekend Breakfast. It's awesome to get your take on uh, the NBA playoffs at the moment. No worries at all. I like this team. Uh, the weekend breakfast with Joe Nerley and Seb. Half of Seb. Half of me. Cranky yeah, that's Seb. right. Seb and the frog. <laughs> Have a good workout, Joey. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Nez, I'm waving the white flag.
<laughs> Go easy on me today. I never today. thought I'd see the day. Go easy on me. <laughs> I've got about 20 words left. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's spend them talking about just positive things. Yes. Then, like women's footy tomorrow. Oh. I'm very excited. So it's Melbourne and Brisbane. It's Melbourne and Brisbane at the yep. MCG tomorrow. What an amazing opportunity for, for young women or old women like me these days oh. <laughs> to be able to play on the MCG. Dream come true stuff. Uh, so it's on Fox Footy tomorrow from 10 a.m. And I'm quite excited on a personal level because it's the first time that I'll be doing uh, boundary writing for AFL on on the on the TV. I've been doing it for the radio for quite a while, but I'm I'm a little bit excited, a little bit chuffed, and I'm super excited. And one woman in particular that I'm just crazy excited to see is uh, is Taylor Harris, who plays for Brisbane. There's been a bit of talk that she's already been signed by Brisbane, which of course can't happen because we don't even know what the teams are. Nudge yet, nudge, wink wink. She took a mark last week up in Queensland that I'm not kidding right now because we we sometimes have the tendency to overplay things and try and make it as good as a men's. It's not yet. We know that. But she took a mark last weekend that was Jeremy Howe-esque at the M- at the SCG a couple of years ago. She literally got on another girl's shoulders, two people tall. It was phenomenal. If you get the chance, go and uh, look it up on YouTube because it is crazy. Taylor Harris. Taylor Harris. Last night, the Swans defeating Hawthorne by 14 points. Interesting comments from Al Clarkson post-game. The sooner the hysteria goes out of this battle that he's got to confront, the better it will be for Ruffy, Sarah and his whole family. So um, we're trying to keep it as normal as we possibly can for him. This is a significant illness that he's got to confront, but it's not an illness that any one of us in this room or in the wider football world or uh, wider, fo- wider community um, have to confront from time to time. And yeah, we're, uh, we're going to deal with it in the best, best manner that we can as a, uh, as a footy club. He's got you know, a lot of support from his teammates in particular, but also his family and those back at home at Langather and we'll roll the sleeves up and get to work on what he needs to do to get treated and get himself right. What'd you make of that? I think it's fair and I think this always happens when some bad news comes through. We uh, Hysteria is probably a harsh word because everyone is in shock and, and footy fans do grieve and get sad for people that they look up to, even though they may not know that person personally. They do still feel that anguish and, and I think when you first hear it, particularly when it's somebody like Jared Roughhead, who he is a person that nobody has a bad thing to say about. It, people do want to be to just feel a bit sad and support him. And and that was the fans' way last night, the two-minute mark, to be able to show their support because they don't really have another way. You know, there's social media and things like that. But I think what's amazing from Jared is he has individually replied to everyone who's who sent him a message of support, which just shows what a gem of a bloke he is. I think now, in these days, it'll all settle down a bit. We'll let him get on with his battle. Nobody's got up in his face. Nobody's got up in his family's face. Everybody is very respectful in this country, I think think when people are going through hard times. I think that's right. And it's not like Clarko wouldn't have spoken to Ruffy about the message that he wanted to put out there. So I've no doubt that, you know, that would be partly Ruffy saying, can we pull back? Absolutely. And he, it was great to see him in the rooms. And, and you know what, we all hope he's going to get through this and beat this because he's just an amazing human being. And, and everyone just wants to be able to talk about the footy again, because that means the bad stuff isn't happening. Massive game today. The Pies and the Cats. Former Coleman medalist with Collingwood, Brian Taylor, coming up soon, Nez. You want to stick around and help me with BT? No worries. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure you're going to be able to say anything in a second, <laughs> so I'll stick around for the rest of the That's morning. That's good. Ready. A bounce, a right for Nada. The biggest high-five act you've ever seen in your life. Hey. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. Fire. 
This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in the film. And this is Bristles Missile. Take your flags, stick them you know where. From room 1428 at the Hilton in Perth. Hello, Brian. You're soft, Seb. <laughs> Very asking, soft. Asking for help so early. <laughs> Big T, uh, what do you make of Joe Watson? He's gone over to New York. He wants to be a barista. Yeah, well, it's uh, unusual. Uh, <laughs> I would have thought that uh, given the fact he's a footballer. And uh, to, he did a little course here, didn't he, or something, and then Coffee went course, over. yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, those courses go for about three hours, and then you're a barista, so that's uh, that's good. No, you go well over there. Have you have you ever had an unusual job yourself, BT? Well, I was a plumber, nearly, yes. and uh, yes. that was but, unusual but because I didn't like work. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you yeah, know, and my very first job in um, because I I came over as a young kid from Western Australia. All the best ones do Melbourne, and my very first job seven a.m. on the Monday morning was a, um, a massage parlour. Sewage blockage um, in a block oh. of massage piles, about 40 of them. Oh. And uh, my boss said, see that pit there? It goes down about 20 foot. You're going to go down the ladder into the bottom of the pit, stick the sewer router up the pipe, and we're going to unblock it. <laughs> so I did that. And by the time uh, I heard this rumbling noise, and by the time <laughs> I heard the rumbling noise, I didn't have a chance to get out of the pit, so I was covered in the night's takings. Oh, enjoy, no. Enjoy your breakfast out there, people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How's the coffee over there in uh, WA? Uh, pretty ordinary over here, Seb. They serve it in soup bowls. Um, <laughs> they've got absolutely no idea. They put a litre of milk in each coffee. You know, those big round, bowly yes. cup sort of thing? Oh, shocking. That's like, and, and if you have a cappuccino, that's new over here. <laughs> and... Um, and they serve it in these big soup bowls, so you drink about a litre of milk. It's got about a, it's got a tenth of coffee in it. It's bloody absolutely terrible. And then charge you thirty dollars for it yeah. at the end of it. Even as a West Australian, I can admit that it's overpriced. Not that great yeah. coffee at those places. What are they called? The domes or something? The domes. Oh yeah, the chain <laughs> over there. Oh, it's shocking. Hey, um, BT, yeah, you went over early though to go see family uh, up there in Mandurah. Did you Down have a chance to? Uh, sorry, mate. Did you have a chance <laughs> to see the uh, Hayden Ballantyne Memorial Grandstand? Yes, I went and visited the uh, the thing over there, and I did a bit of research on the Hayden Ballantyne wing, and found out that Hayden Ballantyne really he never lived in Mandra, he never um, he never played at the club, he uh, he just simply bought his own wing, and uh, I would have thought that's highly unusual. It's funny, I had the good look at my house, and my house is directly behind the sign. It's the one with the white roof. Next time you see an Ab Cup game over there, Rushton Park. Have a look at the house with the white roof. Now, if anyone was deserved of having their wing named after him, it was us. Yeah. We'd, we lived on the wing. The Taylors. <laughs> is there still the, um, the uh, sports uh, sort of cage there that you hid from? Yes, there is. <laughs> I, um, I was loitering around there and I got the opportunity to speak to the Colts players over there. Oh, yeah. and went down into basically the same rooms, one for the cage <laughs> on where I was trapped for four hours in a siege over there. And, you know, someone wanted to fight me and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was hor- horrific as a kid had bad nightmares ever since <laughs> well get yourself one of those uh, Perth coffees yeah. get into the day and we will be uh, watching you tonight on the 7 Network and I look forward to it see you later see you BT there he is what's that look for I just, you know, I feel bad bagging out, you know, Perth and, and my own home you don't state. Have to. But no, I don't. But outside of there's some really great coffees yeah. in Perth now. But outside of Perth, it's still got a, a little way to go. What's it, Elitaville? 
Leaderville is really yeah. good. Leaderville is good. But I love the fact that you don't know whether, you know, Mandra is south or north and we have, you know, footy games <laughs> there. But anyway, I love the fact that you were outnumbered two to one West Australians, West Australians. to Victorians. That's yeah. always a good sign oh, on no, Triple M. I was going to mention that. Well, thank you for uh, helping me out this last half hour. No worries. Can I just say that yeah. everyone's going to have a quieter weekend? Yes. So, you know, Take a break's it easy. not a bad thing from time to time, Seb. If, if you don't have to work the weekend, though, check out the Great Australian Beer Spectacular at the Royal Exhibition. Spectacular at the Royal Exhibition Buildings. Or watch Fox Footy 10am tomorrow morning for the women's game, Brisbane up against Melbourne. Uh, give me a little bit of support on, on my boundary riding debut and, uh, of course, the women who. It's going to be fantastic. I just absolutely can't wait to see them in action you know, live at the MCG, Seb Costello. I've just been biting my tongue trying to stop myself from saying, you on the boundary, it's great that they're continuing the tradition of dipper boundary riders with moustaches, but I just thought... I should be nice, given I don't have a voice. I love the fact that you said you're going to try and stop yourself from saying, you can't even start <laughs> yourself saying something at the moment. I give up. Thank you. You're a legend. Nearly Meadows, watch her on TV. Fox Sports. Hi, thank you. <laughs>